Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Polk County Today. Polk County Today is a weekly public affairs program that takes a longer look at subjects of interest in our area. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's Polk County Today. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, start with our, our next guest on the program. I'd like to introduce you. Our next guest has been with Peace River Center for more than 20 years as the Director of Crisis Response Services for Peace River Center. He has over 30 years of various mental health and psychiatric emergency health care experience. He's a licensed clinical social worker, a trained crisis hostage negotiator, and a certified field traumatologist. He's a master trainer, certified instructor for crisis intervention team training, and works closely with Polk County Sheriff's Office, Lakeland Police, and other law enforcement agencies. He's also been deployed to various locations nationally and internationally to provide disaster behavioral health response. Please welcome with me to the show, Kirk Bassauer. Good morning, Kirk. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Did I get everything in? You did. Okay. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, exactly. <laughs> well, see, and, 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 and like me, I mean, I've got over 30 years doing this. you got over 30 years doing what you, doing what you do. When you look back, you don't realize how much that you've done exactly. over all of that time. Exactly. Until somebody says it. And then you like, go, oh, my God, who is that? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like five <laughs> minutes later, <laughs> finished it all up, and then you're good to go. Yeah, so... So uh, you're the director of crisis services at uh, Peace River Center right now. And uh, tell us uh, what that mostly entails for you on okay. a daily basis. Oh, on a daily basis. Well, uh, I oversee a, a team that has uh, several uh, tasks at its disposal. One of them is our, our uh, emotional support line. It's a crisis line that's available 24-7. And if folks would uh, need to get some emotional support. All they need to do is call in at 519-3744. You know, just remember that number for either yourselves or somebody you know who might be uh, struggling with some stuff Mm -hmm. and just need to talk to somebody who's not part of it. Uh, Just that unbiased opinion. So again, 519-3744, you know, give it out, use it yourself. I don't care. Write it on the bathroom wall for a good time call. You know, somebody's (laughs) going to answer. (laughs) uh, yeah. So there's there's that part of it, and then we we just ventured into I want to say in the last uh, few months here, beginning of the year, we we've started a text and chat feature. Uh, so if people go to our website at peacerivercenter.org, uh, they can tap into a, a text or a chat feature um, to speak to a counselor as well, and so. Uh, they can so not necessarily over voice, but uh, over chat. Correct. Text. Correct. So some people are a little bit more comfortable doing that. So Absolutely. you don't have to hear yeah. me, but here's here it is. And um, just get it out. Get it out. Exactly. Or or old school like me and rather hear a voice. Yeah. But yeah, right. uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like some people aren't comfortable with like you right. know that that seems too intimate sometimes. Right. So it's uh, right. being on a text is a little mm. more comfortable. That's exactly. Cool. All right. Our, then, our, our guest is uh, Kirk Fassauer, and uh, he is the Director of Crisis Services at the Peace River Center. Kirk, thanks a lot for being here today. Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, May Mental Health Awareness Month. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it shouldn't be all 12 months of the year, um, but uh, they, they do put out uh, the month of May as a Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, we like to do what we can to uh, try to introduce Peace River Center to our listeners and uh, let them know what you guys do. So uh, as far as uh, crisis response services, what exactly does that mean? 
when someone is in crisis, then what happens next? Yeah, sure, sure. So there's a couple of ways that we get it activated, basically. Uh, we have our 24-hour crisis line. That's mm. 519-3744 for those folks who are local. Um, they're welcome to call that anytime, day or night, talk about any any type of issue. Um, uh, they just need that unbiased opinion to come in and run some things by, they're welcome to do that, or to get some information on what uh, uh, is out there that is available for uh, mental health resources. Uh, they're welcome to call that as well. So it's a, a, it's a very broad kind of crisis line. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, crisis counselors who are mobile. We are a mobile team, so the crisis does not necessarily need to come to us. We can go to it, and mm-hmm. it being your home, uh, we go into the schools, we've gone to emergency rooms, we go into doctor's offices, local Winn-Dixie parking lot, I mean, wherever. Uh, we'll, we'll go We'll go and, and talk wherever that person needs, needs some help and, yeah. and try to de-escalate the situation. And the whole point is to, you know, it, people hear about the, the Baker Act and they think, oh, I can have somebody take it away and they'll get some help immediately. And the Baker Act is really a temporary kind of setup. It's what I, what I tell people when I train on the Baker Act itself, and that's the Florida Mental Health Act um, for individuals who are in a, a psychiatric kind of emergency. Yeah. Um, so what I tell people about that is really that is an instant ticket to see a psychiatrist because it's only a, up to a three-day stay uh, at one of the facilities. Mm-hmm. And they get evaluated and assessed as to what's going on. And then so, and, then, and it's the start of treatment. And from there, they jump into uh, aftercare services. So once they get out of that kind of situation, we, we help get them connected to, to services uh, uh, in the community. So the crisis response team will go out there and try to see if there's a, a least restrictive kind of environment or situation that we can set people up so that they don't have to go inpatient. We re- mm. really strive to to get them connected to community services so that they don't have to be locked up for a few days yeah. um, in, in a psychiatric facility. So um, so that's what we work very hard with. And because of that mobility, we work very closely with local law enforcement. Mm. Uh, we have a really good relationship with uh, the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Uh, so much so that my program has expanded in recent uh, year or so. Uh, that we are now placing crisis counselors at each of the sheriff's office uh, district locations. Substations. Substations yeah. throughout the county. Okay. So we've got That's a couple good. of counselors there who respond to, you know, that immediate emergency, but they're also there to work on doing a follow-up. Because when law enforcement initiates uh, a Baker Act, somebody goes into care, and then they come back out, they have this whole aftercare plan. They're just kind of left on their own lots of mm. times to kind of, you know, stumble through the, the mental health system, which is chaotic and uh, it's even chaotic for some of us who work in it. Yeah. But we, we try to help guide people through that process. And so what we're doing in, in the sheriff's office is doing some follow-ups so that um, after a deputy has initiated uh, a Baker Act, the person goes into care, they come back out, they're going to get a phone call from one of my team members saying, hey, how you doing? We want to make sure you're doing okay. Can we help you out? Get connected to some services. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe even help you kind of de-escalate and learn some new coping uh, strategies so that uh, we don't get into that situation again. Right. Um, and we've been very, very successful in, in reducing the number of uh, uh, mental health calls into the, the sheriff's department. You actually have um, deputies that go through your training also mm-hmm. 
Correct. And are able to be a part of the crisis response team. Yes, yes. It's called CIT, Crisis yeah. Intervention Team Training. And yeah. it's, a, it's a very large international movement on educating law enforcement in how to work with somebody who has a mental illness. Right. Uh, folks get into law enforcement because they want to protect and serve people and they understand the law and all mm-hmm. of that, but they don't get a lot of mental health training. So um, out of tragedy bore this whole process called CIT, and it's a 40-hour class that uh, officers go through. And they, um, here in our community, the sheriff, Brady Judd, had uh, said years ago, I want all my deputies trained in it. And so everybody at the Polk County Sheriff's Office has gone through the training. Okay. Um, We're talking dispatchers. We're talking folks in, in the jail. We're talking... Uh, folks on the street, everybody has gone through that training, so they have a much broader understanding of how to uh, not only w- what they what the mental illness may look like, yeah. but they also kind of have a way to start to de-escalate the situation. So they can recognize somebody who has a mental health issue rather than somebody who's just misbehaving. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And it's like a sensitivity. I think that's training. very. I think that's very important. Yeah. 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 It's like a sensitive sensitivity sort of training, also. A, it seems like also. Yeah. So. so it's it's been we've been doing that here in Polk County since about 2003. Yeah. And uh, I've had the the pleasure of uh, training close to 4,000 uh, law enforcement officers in this community mm-hmm. um, and surrounding communities because Hardy and Highlands County send folks up up our way wow. as well. Right. That is so many. Well, and, awesome. and and you know you, you think about some of the the big national stories that that, that come to my mind the uh, the Colorado theater shooting. Where you know yeah. uh, this kid was obviously uh, not in this reality when he did this, uh, right, you know, right. went into that theater and shot it up. Um, even Nicholas Cruz with the shooting yeah. in South Florida, mm-hmm. um, uh, it doesn't seem like to me he was uh, thinking in the same, you know, the same kinds of thoughts that uh, the your average everyday Joe thinks. Absolutely, absolutely. And how and, how do you how do you help somebody when they've gotten to that point? Or can you even? Well, you, you can. You can. The The issue with those kinds of examples are they are the extreme. Right. They're actually the, the very few. Uh, most individuals with uh, mental health conditions are not violent. Mm. Um, and as a matter of fact, some with more serious, uh, long-term, persistent kind of mental illnesses tend to be more victims of crime as opposed to perpetrators of crime. However, what happens is the 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 odd cases get highlighted um, and it helps create some somewhat of a healthy dialogue because very often in the past mental health was a, a shameful secret there was a yeah. huge stigma around right. it you used to just lock people away exactly for yeah. for if you look back at the history some very benign issues they mm. got locked away for but yeah. we've gotten more educated around how to how to treat people and how people uh, recover quicker and in various environments. Um, in their own home environment, so uh, yeah, it's 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 um, it's great to be able to have that dialogue, mm. uh, good or bad, you know. It, but we're still talking about it, and it's in everybody's in the forefront of everybody's mind. Uh, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, though, right. because you got people that we start that dialogue, mm. and then all of a sudden, 
it's it's like, well, everyone's got this illness. Well, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it gets highlighted and like, I do that. Oh, my God, I've got that oh, illness. No. Mm. Um, but that's th- that's not always the case. But at least we're having that discussion. And it is bringing the stigma down little by little. People are talking more about emotional impacts of what's going on in our world and how that does impact our worldview. We're speaking with Kirk Fassauer. He's the Director of Crisis Response Services and Professional Development at the Peace River Center, May Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, the person that's affected by the the mental health issue or the mental illness, if you will, not the only people that you have to deal with. He's got friends, family members. He or she has friends or family members that uh, are affected by their behavior as well. Correct. Um, What do you tell those people to do to help out the person who is uh, having the crisis? Right. Good question. The, the, the thing we do with family members who have somebody who is <clears throat> developing a, a mental illness or is really coming into the, the illness, if you will, yeah. um, and they're starting to see the signs and the odd behaviors that come with some of the illnesses, mm. what we do is educate them. Um, be aware of the signs and symptoms. Be aware of when they may be taking medication, when they may be not taking their medication. Because some people, they feel better. They don't feel like they need to take the medication anymore. And in some cases, the medication makes them feel worse. And yeah. it's, it's like, okay, we got to get through, you know, some of these side effects and and, and um, uh, get to the, the, the good side. Because sometimes you have to get through that, that wall. And once you get past that wall... They start to feel much better. And, Why do you think it's so difficult to, to get past that wall, though? In, in some cases, I know people will take medicine, they'll feel better, they'll stop taking it, then they, uh, you know, regress. Or, you know, they take the medicine and it, and it doesn't make them feel good, so they stop taking it. Um, why do you think it's so hard to find out what exactly an individual needs? Yeah, it. well, because we're all individuals. That's, yeah. that's the big thing. And it? okay. it, it, pharmaceutical industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and there are all different types of medications out there and that's because we are individuals and so it does take some time so what works for me may not work for you may not work for nick you know yeah. mm-hmm. um and so it takes some time and it's really that relationship that the person has with their psychiatrist in in trying to figure out what what works well for them and to layer into that how we've been socialized with medicine is that you know once i feel better i don't need this medicine anymore yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so right. you start to feel good, and it's like, okay, I, I'm I, cured. Yeah, I can stop now. Yeah, yeah. And in, and in a lot of cases, um, it's not. It doesn't work that way. It's just like you know, uh, taking medicine for heart disease or diabetes. You know, you need to take some of that medication ongoingly for the rest of your life. Sure. Yeah. And so it's again about educating individuals. So then, when we talk about side effects of some of the medications, oh, that adds another layer of of. Uh, hurdle, just, <laughs> mm. um, because there there are some medications you start to take and you start to feel nauseous and dizzy and it's your body is just adjusting to a new chemical in your in your body. Yeah, um, and it takes a little bit of time for it to get in balance, and so there'll be maybe a few days a week where somebody has to struggle with some of that nausea, dizziness, and whatnot. But once they get on the other side, it starts to level off, and people mm-hmm. feel a lot better, and, and some of the symptoms go away. Let's take a quick call. Good morning. You're live on MAME the AM. Who's this? This is Quiet Combat, Lynn. What's up, Quiet? Um, my background my background's in mental health, and I think it's important to realize how lucky we are to be in a society that 
Lopez, places like Peace River, because, um, you know, asylum, the reason they're called insane asylums, the reason they came about, people think of them as prisons, but they were actually, asylum means safety. Compared to what the people that were living there were experiencing at home, where they were locked in closets or tied to beds and stuff, they were extremely protective. And unfortunately, um, you think about cultures like Japan, we think of them as very modern, but in Japan, it's still a very big shame for you to have a mentally ill family member, and mm-hmm. they're still keeping people literally locked in closets Just and away. there because they, they don't want their friends and family, other family members, to know that they're there because okay. of the shame that, that it brings to the family. That's right. wild. Well, thanks uh, for the input, Clyde. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, different cultures. It, he's right. We're very fortunate to be yeah. be where we are where we are at because of the way we we take care of our our own. Um yeah. and and have highlighted this particular issue. Hmm. Other countries not not so uh forthcoming or open yeah. about that because of the, it's it's a cultural difference and it's unfortunate but it it does happen. What do you look for in a person who's been uh, dealing with mental health issues um, that they've had a quote-unquote breakthrough, that they realize they have to keep taking this medication if they want to uh, lead a, 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 you know, a normal life? I mean, I say normal life. You know, normal is a different definition for lots of people. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, just able to go to work and maintain a house, have a family. There are people who take this medication uh, right now that you probably know and they're, uh, you know, they have a, a house and they have a family and they're yeah, living their life. Absolutely. Um, what kind of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> how, how do you see that in, in somebody? Um, well, uh, sometimes it, it, it happens quickly and sometimes it takes a very long time. And, and there are folks, unfortunately, that never come to that realization mm. um, uh, one of the more serious of the mental illnesses schizophrenia yeah for example one of the symptoms is the, the lack of insight that they're sick and that is one that's very difficult to overcome because right. they see you possibly as a threat mm. when you're really trying to help them the medication you give them they see that as a threat or something that's going to harm them so they they shy away from it um, so Patience, a lot of patience, a lot of, you know, education over and over again. Mm. Uh, and we have many folks with the illness of schizophrenia in our communities who do very well. They um, may not have um, risen to the level of what they had hoped to do uh, at one point, but they've, they've altered their, their life plan and yeah. uh, have to understand that they're going to live with this particular illness for a very long time. And they've got supports. That's a big thing is having the social support that that and it doesn't necessarily have to be family, but it's always nice when it is family. Yeah. But the people around them that lift them up in their downtimes helps them maintain their medication and helps their uh, recovery. And that's one thing that uh, you guys at Peace River Center do. Uh, Kirk Fassauer is our guest. He's the director of crisis response services and professional development at Peace River. And uh, Kirk, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I appreciate that. May Mental Health Awareness Month. 
Uh, give us the crisis line and the phone number again and you guys' website. If anybody has any questions, they can uh, sure. go there to find them out, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you for having us on. Uh, absolutely. It's been fun. It's my pleasure. The, um, the crisis line number is 519-3744. Again, that's 519-3744. And our website 24 is hours a day, right? 24 hours a day. Yeah. And our website is peaceriversecenter.org. Perfect. Kirk, thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming in. I know Thanks I spoke again. to you on the phone last year uh, because they didn't allow people to come in here, but uh, <laughs> it's good to see you. Good to see you, man. This program was pre recorded and may not reflect the most current information available. Sheriff Grady Judd. Good morning, Sheriff. How are you today? Uh, doing well, thank you. i enjoying this uh, nice... Uh... Yes, but it won't last. I we know. We have to enjoy it quickly. That's right. So, I thought we'd talk about something interesting today. What do you think? I think uh, that yeah. sounds like a plan. Let's do it. You know, we arrested a bunch of guys for racketeering. You know, gang members, sex, money, murder. Right. I think you reported on that I did. Week. I did. Big story last week. Big story. Big, big story. Well, I thought we'd talk about it some more, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. So here's the deal. These guys are part of a gang, a criminal gang, called Sex, Money, Murder. We normally don't market for their brand name, but these guys are so violent, I thought people needed to know. Anytime you've got a criminal gang that's branded Sex, Money, Murder, and they live up to that reputation then they need to be outed. So what they do is they rob people. And who they focus on robbing are other gang members because they want to be the big guys. And they also focus on robbing drug dealers, okay? Okay. Thinking, well, heck, drug dealers can't call the cops and say, by the way, they just robbed me of my drugs. Well, believe it or not, they do. Oh, yeah. If things, if things don't go their way, they will actually kill the other gang members or the drug guys. So we did a wiretap. Yep, that's right. We were able to get a court-ordered wiretap for not only their telephones, but for their social media. And our goal was to charge them with racketeering especially the leadership of the gang. Now, racketeering is a first-degree felony, and that's 30 years in prison. But we have this special law that talks about gang enhancement, which makes it a life felony. Goodness. So we, we started doing this wiretap, and sure enough, we had not been doing it very long at all when we intercepted a phone call where this guy was going to kill this other guy. And he had to get permission. So we followed him up his chain of command, if you will, yeah. until the number two guy in the organization gave the approval to kill the guy. Well, of course, we hear this, and we can't sit around and let someone kill someone, even though we're doing this gang investigation. So we set out to find our victim and to warn him. Well, we don't tell him, obviously, that we intercepted this information over a wiretap. But we make up a story, and of course, he's a gangster, too. Yeah. 
So he's not real fond of us, and he just blows us off. So the next day we hear some more communication, and he said, hey, I think I, I know where this guy is. So we run back out and try to find our victim again because our one suspect is saying, I would have got him yesterday, but a traffic light caught me. Well, this gangster was saved by a traffic So we go out and we try and try to find him again. Well, talking to him doesn't do any good, so we thought, hmm, here's what we do. We'll arrest him. So we had some criminal charges on him, and we picked him up and put him in jail on the criminal charges. Well, we wanted to save those criminal charges for later because he's part of the gang, but heck, we got to do it. So we get him in jail. And then we receive more communications that they're trying to kill him in the jail. Mm. So now we've got to move him to a safe location in the jail. And this dude is resisting us the whole time. And we're going, look, dude, we're trying to keep you alive. So in any event, the wiretap goes on. We receive a lot more communications, and we serve the warrants. And we, at the end of this investigation, were able to arrest the entire hierarchy for the sex money murder gang in Florida. And I understand it's a nationwide gang. Right. We were also able to arrest the top guy in North Carolina. And that's important. But it never could have happened without Ashley Moody, our attorney general, allowing us to prosecute the case through her office. Because, see, these people were all over the state. They weren't just in Polk County. We started this investigation because we had two gang-related murders, and nobody's talking. Either they're part of the gang and they won't talk, or they're scared of the gang and they won't talk. So Mm -hmm. we decide, well, heck, we're going to get these gangsters in jail one way or the other. So that's when we needed to do this wiretap, but it spread all through the state and and the eastern seaboard. So because of the assistance of the statewide prosecutor at Ashley Moody's office and, just as important, uh, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, because we had to have jurisdiction outside of Polk County. Yeah. But us all working together, we were able to arrest them. But here's some of their nicknames, okay, or their aliases. Okay. One goes by T-Murder. Mm-hmm. The other goes by Pistol. One of them goes by damager. One goes by murder guns. And his, and his old lady goes by lady gun. Okay. That's pretty romantic, isn't it? I, I suppose. Uh, now, my, my question is, though, Sheriff, I, I, I understand that uh, this is a widespread gang with a widespread activity, uh, not only uh, in uh, Polk County in Florida, but like you said, the eastern seaboard. How did you get so involved uh, with it, uh, with uh, Attorney General Ashley Moody? Well, first off, Ashley Moody is, is a dear friend of mine. I mean, she is simply the very best. But our detectives are, are awesome. Our, our undercover narcotics detectives, our organized crime detectives are remarkably good, remarkably good. And I challenged them after we had these two murders, and we could not get any information out of anyone. Yeah. I mean, nobody would talk. I said, 
you know, let's, and we figured out that sex money murder was involved in it, or we thought they were. Mm -hmm. So we said, heck, I told him, I said, let's just do a gang wire. We'll figure this out. So you don't just go out and turn on a gang wire. You first have to show that there's no other investigative means to get to this hierarchy. Yeah. So this investigation went on well over a year. So our detectives, while people were sleeping comfortably in their beds at night and taking the weekends off, were doing intensive investigation in order to get the probable cause for this wire. Yeah. And they did because they were very, very good. And that's how it all came about. But well, and then, and then it, you know, you get the wire, the gang members uh, incriminate themselves. Well, yes, they do. Right? They absolutely do. And the important thing is, is crime's at a 50-year low. We're safe, but we're not going to let gangbangers kill gangbangers. You know, it's not all right to kill people. I don't care if you are in a gang. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, our job is to protect everybody and keep everybody safe. And you're not going to run around, you know, robbing trap houses, as we call them, robbing dope houses. You're not going to shoot up houses because, you know, there are innocent kids and people living in the area. The other day, one one gang, not this gang, shot up a house of another gang member over a drug debt. Shot a house 40-something times in the middle of the evening. So... The bottom line is, while we're hugely safe in this county, we've got a few bad actors that are that are creating this horrible crime against each other. And it's just not all right, and we're going to stop it. So that's what we did. Yeah. Uh, now, that shooting that you're talking about, that happened over off of Cumbie? Yes. Yeah, jump out of the car in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. We got them under arrest, by the way. Oh, that's good. That is good. That sounds awesome. Sheriff Grady Judd, he is the sheriff of Polk County, right where you live, and uh, he's helping keep us safe. Sheriff, thanks a lot for checking in with us this morning. Uh, I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. And that wraps up this week's edition of the program. Thank you for tuning in, and join us again next week for Polk County Today.